I'm going to scream into the microphone. Can we just, is is the streaming the problem? <clears throat> like, has that become the issue again? Is streaming on YouTube live? Uh, I, I'm, I, I'm not doing it this week. Okay. It says, no, I fired it. Ah! Hey man, Nathaniel let me make a potato Live in the Pathway Studios in John Street Property. You are live from the path. Tell me what it should be. Therefore, it's better to just tell me what it should be. How's it doing? You doing alright? And you're listening to live from the path, coming from the Pathway Studios in Johnston proper. You're in the room. I'm Diddy. Ah! Okay, no. Dan's Come be- on, man. <laughs> Dan wasn't ready. You screamed. I did the Howard Dean. Uh, yeah. <laughs> man, I was jazzed up for this roll call thing. I, I don't Come know on. who I am. Who calls himself Diddy? That's stupid. <laughs> Carmen. Who, man, I came up with Booba, apparently. I came up with Diddy. Okay, but Dan, if you had to choose a nickname to go by on the radio, the ship has sailed, but if you had one, what would you use? Uh, I'm going I'm to be Z. Just, Just Z. Z? <laughs> you identify as a letter now? I, what is I, happening? I, I figured I'd fi- pick, better, better pick a letter. You're Dr. Yeah. Foster. Yeah. Oh, that's uptown, Dad. Yes. Yeah. It's it's. Ah! <laughs> In the beginning, they used to call me Doctor Velvet Foster. Crush. That's velvet the Crush. Yeah. Oh, okay. The vel- Okay. Here's the deal. The velvet Crush. I, I love the Velvet Crush. I also think I, I'm willing to split the difference and, and go with Doctor Z. Does <laughs> that work? Go. Splitting the difference. Does that work, Dan? Doctor Z. Doctor Z. Yeah. yeah, but you got to come up with some weird new age thing that you're always like peddling to us. Oh dear. If you're going to be a Doctor Z. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's definitely a guy that's like, have you guys tried, you know, uh, sunning? I need to do the cannabis oil. Yeah, yeah. I bought. I that's bought not th- nearly as new age as you think yeah, it is Dan, anymore, man. There's stores it everywhere. Is. For Dr. Z, it is. You can get that at High V. <laughs> Except for he bought 30 gallons from Alibaba.com. <laughs> it's <laughs> the new age snake oil. Yeah. I found a miracle drug. Ibuprofen. <laughs> it's this new thing. This stuff is true. Apparently, it's got some rough stuff for your stomach. It, it got me off the cocaine. <laughs> You're listening. This is a Jesus-oriented show. You're listening to Life from the Past. Talking about cannabinoids uh, and Do- cocaine. Dr. Z had a past. <laughs> uh, here's what we got going on the show this week. So first of all, I want to apologize. Uh, in case you listened to last week's show, I didn't publish the podcast, but the YouTube, the video's been out there. Uh, it just turns to garbage around like 35 minutes or so, and at least the audio. <laughs> like uh, all I feel like that's shows. usual, yeah. 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 So <laughs> I have to... Uh, I, I, Dr. Z. I, Dr. Yeah. Z doesn't advertise. Okay, here's the deal. <laughs> Mike, you gotta tell me you're gonna be keep making that Howard Dean noise. <laughs> Booba did it. I just did it the one time. Here's, I, I just the the, the the channels are not compressed enough to handle Howard Dean. Yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, all right. That better? Anyway, so I, I just I need to rescue the first uh, thirty minutes or so. Uh, there was an interesting story about a a feller who who thought he was gonna become a lady and then remained a feller because he met Jesus. And so uh, that one was pretty uh, pretty interesting. Uh, but uh, anyway, I'm, I'm gonna, otherwise you're going to lose the rest of that show. So if you really dug on it, you need to listen to it quickly. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, we're going to cut mm-hmm. it off. All right, here we got going on the show tonight, Mike. Uh, the, I, I think this circles back to a topic we've been discussing within the last few months, which is like, hey man, just go about your business and love Jesus, and people will come to know him. But it's but it, it sounds like are you pondering the question? Yeah, but does that work? I think that is the question. Yeah, like if I can look over uh, the dudes in this room, minus Dan, whose sole job. Is to like pastor a church and bring people in here, but like, 
Like if you were out in your day to days, like just loving people the way Jesus did, like uh, is it actually working? Like I, I, it's easier for me to take this tact, like uh, like when you're reaching out to, let's say that like you have a homeless outreach ministry or like a, a, an NA or an AA, and you know Alcoholics Anonymous or something, right? Look, or youth group or something that's very pointed. And like have a meeting and you're like, yes, this is what I'm going to do. But like just in your regular day affairs, like when you go to work, when you go to the store, blah, 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 blah. Like, can you look back on the last 20 years of your life and go, yeah, actually this is, this is working. People are coming to Jesus based upon. Just based on me loving them the way Jesus would love them. Okay. Okay. So that's the question. I'm not, I, I don't have a dog in the race either way to say yes or no. Maybe it is truly working. And uh, and and we should go forth. But like it does, if it's not working, it seems lazy. Yeah. <laughs> Doctor Z says, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, th- I think it works really well at making Christians uh, feel good about themselves. Yeah, I'm doing my job. I'm loving people, and I oh, yeah. have to do the other half of my job. As as does the phrase, "Will some people plant seeds?" Right. Uh, yeah, actually, I really struggle with that sometimes. Like, because there's the thing, not everyone I've ever met is a seed thrower, right? They're like, hey, man, someone does the seed and someone does the water and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, who who does the water? Like, does anyone show up with the water? Everyone's content to, like, blindly throw out kernels from the back of a grain rat wagon. And they're like, no one's got a water truck anywhere. And no one's got the sickle. No one, No one's harvesting. No one's harvesting. I don't want to get offensive. And so, like, it's... Yeah. I, it's... <laughs> Hey, I like I like Dan's when the Lord says, "Hey, the 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 harvest is plentiful, the workers are few." Dan's harvest includes some sort of like knife edge judgment. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I don't know. that's where steal harvest. I don't know. Wheat from chaff. Let's do this. Dan's like the the sons of thunder here. You know, he's like, he's like, I'll get the sickle. Jesus goes, sit down, Dan. We're not doing that. <laughs> You're about to see Jesus. You might as well get to know him first. <laughs> right. I think so. Here, here's where I actually think I land on it because I'm I'm mulling over in my head because I think there is. Look, uh, a time for throwing seeds. And I think there is a time for like introducing people to what God's love looks like. And God's love does look like love and truth both, right? It definitely has to look like that. And I think in your individual situations and your relationships that like, I think the Holy Spirit will guide you to the time when it's, you know, it's, it's time to start, start getting off of milk. And starting to introduce some 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 meat into the conversation, you know. But I, I I do feel like people are just content with serving milk, right? Where we're like, yeah. we're just going to buy more milk, and we'll just keep having it. And like, we're you can watch the people around you like get closer and closer to meet Jesus as they're continuing to drink milk and not know any different. Well, and also we have a tendency to love on our own terms. Like, hey, uh, I'm going to give you milk, and they're like, I, I don't. I'm really need water, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I mean, like w- w- here, uh, it looks hot. We're gonna give you a water bottle. Now I've loved you in Jesus' name, and it's like well, maybe, ooh, you know, that's a great example, Dan. That's a great thing to say. As a matter of fact, <laughs> like we tend to love on our terms. Like we define what it looks like yeah. to love somebody, and then feel good about ourselves for having yeah. met that without asking or recognizing one. What does it mean to love someone? How would they f- feel yeah. loved? Yeah. Uh, and two, do, loving them in such a way as which it would demonstrate God's love to yeah. them. I went to the gay parade and I handed out water bottles. Did you sit down and talk to anyone mm. and say, hey, what's going on in your life? You know, right. Yeah, you know, the thing is, 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 is you reach for some examples of, of Jesus, you know, and, and how to act in some of these situations. And like some of them are just not so pointed. Like, uh, I, it's hard to find in Scripture where Jesus like counseled somebody through like a, a, an event 
Yeah, Jesus cheats. Now, listen here. Jesus... <laughs> Jesus cheats. I'm just, I'm just saying. <laughs> T-shirt. So like, Jesus does cheat because like the w- people are upset that that uh, the mom's upset that the son died, and as opposed to like, oh, let me console you, he's like, uh, raises. Yeah, he just <laughs> raises him from the dead. Let's wait four days, well, <laughs> right? And so like, how would your counseling look different? Like, if you were trying to talk to somebody through the love of Christ and being honest with them, how does your conversation with the woman at the well look different? Like, I don't know all this back, cool background stuff that Jesus knows yeah. for like insto conviction. <laughs> You know, and and to be wowed by the by the Son of Man who is now here, I'm like, what are you doing out the well by yourself? <laughs> and every time we go to funerals, should we be giving that a shot? <laughs> like every time, go everybody in and be like, leave the room. Okay, yeah, exactly. It's like, hold up, don't worry. I understand what's happening here, but let me let me give it a shot. Pretty right? sure they're sleeping. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Has are, anyone thought they might be asleep? Is yeah, there I've any possibility for that before, though? Oh yeah, totally. In in, in funerals, I, I've been I've been there sitting in the little preacher chair, going, God, this this be a great, just resurrection. Yeah, yeah, that'd be awesome. Let's do it. Hey man, I don't. I appreciate that thought, but I also would not want to be there. For I that. know. I also pray that it would not be a freaky thing. <laughs> like, I feel like people aren't going to be like, "Oh man, that was a Jesus move." Someone's uh, going to be like, "There is, there is some kind of devil in this room, yeah, and I a demon yeah. has brought a body." <laughs> I don't back know. To you're life. looking out at that pain and that hurt, and you're just like. Yeah, of course. Just bring back their loved one. Mm-hmm. Hey, man, that's the same way I look at like healings. Yeah. Is like when I know somebody's really hurting and like has been dealing with a thing for a long time. Not to like totally <laughs> derail this. <laughs> yeah, but, I kind like, of wanted. I've totally <laughs> wanted to be like I really not for my own glory. If for twenty years ago or ten years ago, it definitely would have been my yeah. glory. Yeah. I'm old enough now to where I'm like I don't care. I don't want anybody to know who I am. But Jesus, if you want to show up right now and this just be like I put hands down yeah. and it just it just friggin' happens. I've walked by how hospital awesome rooms. Would that you kind of whisper yes, a little like, okay, right? God, them right there. Like I'd love to go to the hospital. They won't I'd even know I walked by. Hospital, right. Just walk through and be like, God, you are completely in control here, and this is not outside of the realm of possibility because there's nothing you can't yeah, do. Yeah. If it is in your will, make this happen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Maybe I should just go do that anyway. But still, so so the question Sorry. is is like you yeah. can't really. We always say you got you got to love like Jesus, right? Right. Yeah. But yeah. you can't you can't really do that. Yeah. Let's, let's be honest Hashtag with ourselves. Jesus cheats. You cannot do that, right? And Jesus so does cheat. Like we're just in a, we're in a different position, right? Than you know obviously what? the the God of the universe. I mean, we can ask questions. He just didn't. He knew the right ones to ask because he knew what the answer was. But so we can still ask the questions. We usually don't ask the questions. Yeah. Right. Yeah, you know, because we don't have we don't have time, or we don't have we don't really want to know, or ooh, it's gross. I don't want to hear about or it. We're stuck in our own muck and terror. Yeah, yeah. well, yeah. And Jesus, Jesus is like the it's a bad example. He's like the Usain Bolt of this operation, right? Like he can get a mile done in a no short amount of time at all, right? And maybe we got to walk it. Like maybe we're slow rolling yeah. at mall walk style and be like, I can't, we can't get right to the thing. We're just not God. Right. And so, but like we can still. Follow the pattern he has set out for us. Live the way that he lived. Pray the way that he prayed, right? And like constantly seek a, the Holy Spirit for help and interpretation on things that are going on. And like I think we're bailing on that too. I'm bailing on that. So, I don't. I don't count near enough on God to handle a lot of the things because of my own means. Obviously, I can't accomplish anything that God accomplished. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're not. We're not giving it a long enough time. I guess I'm just processing while you're talking. There, it's like. It's both. Like we still got to do right. the love, and we yes. have the relationship, and you, and you ask the questions, you get the engagement, but th- it might take three years. But you still got to turn the corner at some point to say, okay, what am I going to do with all this information? Yeah. Not just say, oh, that's awful, but 
I know I have a way to help you. I think I think the way that if I'm looking at the concept of like that, we gotta we gotta love people and we gotta tell people about Jesus and use words if necessary. I've heard that a, 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 you know a million times, right? I also would challenge our our not just like the fact that we love on our terms, but like it's a super cheap love the way that we kind of present it a lot. Like if your concept of this is, man, I'm really nice to people when I go to the gas station. And I make certain I say hi, and I say God bless you when I, you know, thank the cashier for my coffee or whatever, right? Like, if that's the extent of what you think is, like, I'm walking around being salt and light in the world, is is doing that? It's no, you're not. That that's not. Of course, that's ineffective. That's not something. Well, so what is it? It's okay. So so tangibly, then, if someone does think that, and like, okay, well, what should I be doing? What does it mean to be salt and light in the world? Well, here's the thing: is like, I I think it is. It's not so much as if that doesn't count, but like, it's not a wide enough scope. Right. right, like people aren't going to instantly feel the love of Christ because you handed them a water bottle or because you were nice to them at the gas station. It's nice because it should outpour from your heart that you know, like like God changed that in you, so you do see intrinsic value in other people, and so you do treat them differently than than most people would. But the truth is, for someone to actually get that scope that your life looks different than someone who doesn't know Jesus is, they have to see more than just right. like a, a quick interaction. Yeah, you know? it's not a transaction like that one piece. And so that is getting to know, like on purpose, uh, people. And, and and I think sometimes we could easily get burnt out in just assuming it's everybody all the time. Like God has not designed you to be like a walking two-dimensional billboard for Christianity. Right. You're not a you're not a package of glory fireworks just going around shooting off. Right. Correct. Yeah, yeah, now yeah. now maybe God, God probably has like a, a a set number of people or people that he yeah. has the Holy Spirit having you to be involved in and it might take a lot of work and it's probably great work. Um that doesn't mean it's it's not hard work, but it's it's good work. But the, like they need to see really I the thing that I notice most is like uh, people who follow Jesus tend to be very consistent, right? Like uh-huh. you don't catch them in whims of of like ridiculous fancy, like either towards anger or uh, towards sadness or bitterness or, you know, like everybody runs through that valley, right? But we don't stay there very long because we're like, this is God's deal, right? right. Whatever thing happened to us, my sorrow belongs to him. My bitterness belongs to him. My joy belongs to him. It comes from him. And so like, we just don't tend to be like these extremes for very long or very often. And so like, it adds credibility to the thing that you're trying to say about, about who God is. And I think you're right in the concept. Like it's it's you know yes, you're not the box of glory fireworks that's going off all the time. There are people that are you know there for the Ethiopian eunuch, and you're just walking down the road, and that's somebody that shows up, and then you talk to him about it, and then you get baptized and teleport, right? Um, but sometimes it's like I got to be with this person for years, and like I just have to keep showing up and and showing that this is that that I am I am a human being that will always screw up, but like God has never failed. Like I've I've had both those situations where I feel like it was impactful conversations. It was the one time I met somebody, I handed them a water bottle, I gave them a Bible, or I gave them you know a shirt or a ride, and they weren't expecting it, whatever. And it was a one time thing. I may not have ever seen that come to anything, and it may be twenty years down the line that person goes, "Hey, actually, that's crazy." Because in that horrible time in my life, I randomly ran into that guy who gave me a shirt or a thing of deodorant because I smelled bad for an interview, whatever. But I've also been the dude that's been spending years with people that have been hurt for a long time. And it took years and years and years and years. I'm talking a decade plus to the, the dude literally looked at me one day and was just like, I'm, I can't stand you. And I'm just like, I mean, that's fair, but why? (laughs) And it was the fact that he was like, you continually have gone through crap. 
Like there's been a lot of stuff, but here you are still, you still love Jesus. And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, why? Because you've been blah, blah, blah or whatever. Not to woe is me why life story, but that's just, he's seen it. And he goes, I've been there too, but I'm sitting here in shame and in anger and I hate everything and everyone and I'm mad about all this different stuff. And then you've gone through worse and you just walk around and like you have bad days, but you still love Jesus. You still pray. You go to church. You try and love on people. I don't understand. And I think there's merit in both of those things of like, yes, there are the transactional pieces of you may not see somebody get baptized and come to Jesus right that second, but that may be something that the Lord uses to go, I was there then, and I'm there now, yeah. and I've never left you, and I needed to tell that story in your life through 50 interactions, but it was always people that were faithful to what I told them to be so that when they ran into you, you had a chance to go, holy crap, this is real. You remember the you remember that movie, The Book of Eli? Yeah, mm-hmm. where they were talking like the 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 whole goal was the whole premise of the movie was like there was this big apocalypse or whether nuclear fire I don't know, but like it destroyed the whole world as a wasteland right and like the the antagonist of the movie was just trying to find a Bible, right like yeah. like and and his whole goal was is these words in here like if you once you get it you can control people mm-hmm. and 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 it was what led to the whole undoing of the world in the in the first place right mm-hmm. and and as much as like that premise is is ridiculous. Somebody encouraged me one time when I was I was just getting down about like seed spreading. I'm like I just feel like we're not watering anything, you know. And and basically they said like later in life at some point in their life they will hear the same words that that was being taught to them, you know, at the time that you were talking to them. And like it'll 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 just create a thing in them. Right, like, like it, it come through like an old song that you yeah. used to know, and like you'll hear words that like are, are standard Christianese words, you know, like you'll you'll hear somebody talking about being blessed, or 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 something about God's promises, or a promise being made by God, or something, and like all of a sudden they will connect it with this emotion that they remember being loved there. Yes, right, like they didn't understand the words that were being said to them, they didn't understand what like the the whole theology of the Bible that we were trying to talk about, but they did know that like. They heard these words, and then, like, their body just remembers being loved. Yeah. And, like, there, there is something to be said about that when it comes to seed throwing. I think, mm-hmm. I think really what we're talking about is, is, like, are we – do we tend to just be content – hoping that maybe they caught a whiff of the Holy Spirit off of you, and when they come to ask you about it, you're like, here's more whiffs, right? right. Here's more half sense. Here's a hint of what it is, you know, and and because if we were to cross that line between merely just loving like God loves and then bringing a truth that God also all brings and like our our big scary part of that is is like we're going to have to tell them about their sin. And I'm like the Holy Spirit does that. Mm-hmm. Right? Like we're going to talk about them about where they sit in a in a in a world that was created by a God that created them on purpose and to invite that God into their life and let them start looking at the world differently, the way that God actually created it. And like, we always think that it means we have to look at the five big deadly sins we know that they're up to. And like, that's the conversation we're going to have to have. And like, that has not been my experience. No. Right. When talking to people about Jesus, the Holy Spirit tends to sort some of that out. 
And if somebody comes up to you and says, hey, I feel like this is separating me from God, do you think it is? Yes. Absolutely. Yes, I absolutely do think that is doing that, right. for sure. Yep. Like, we would never lie about that or candy coat that or make that sound like that's not the truth. But, like, God just has a way of drawing people near to him, and, like, people are looking for validity in some of the things they're reading in Scripture, especially if they start reading their Bible. Hey, man, this boiling a goat in his mom's milk sounds kind of wild. You're like, yeah, it does. <laughs> yeah, it does sound kind of wild. Here's why that makes any type of sense at all. You know what I'm saying? And so, like, I think the the worry is, is, like, we think that there's some kind of program where God's going to eventually push us into, like, a situation where we're going to have to say a very hard thing, right? And I'm not saying that that would not occur, but the thing that I think God is usually asking us to say is, like, will you just let go? Will you let go and let God do what he created you to do? Will you take your broke down, messed up station wagon back to the creator and let him put it back together how he designed it to be? That's the hard conversation that we're running from. And we always have like a picture that we're going to be like, you have to stop swearing, or I know you look at porn online, or blah, 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 blah. These are conversations that we should probably have, but like people who actually are trying to follow Jesus, they'll come to these decisions on their own. A cursory reading of the scripture and hanging around people and looking at their spouse goes, oh man, I got to quit this. (laughs) This is separating me from the relationships around me and the most important relationship I could have. Like the Holy Spirit does all this work. It's a huge gift. And I think there's a level of this that goes that like part of our obedience in this to God is is to be listening for for the 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 commands and the the things to do. And I think that's that's something I'm terrible at. Like I'm absolutely terrible at. It. I constantly am praying and asking God to give me direction. But then every time he does, I say no. <laughs> like it's just it's just flat out ridiculous. Like I will I will be in prayer going, God, I just feel like I don't hear you sometimes when I'm like, I really just I don't understand. I'm trying to get what you want me to do. And it's not like I'm praying asking if I should eat Wheaties or Cheerios. I'm praying and asking you what my next step should be. It's the morning. What does my day look like, God? You tell me, where do I need to be at? And then he goes, here, you need to walk up and talk to that person. And I go, I really don't want to do that. Yeah. I you called Jason like I yeah. told you to? Right, <laughs> exactly. No. It's like, hey, man, did you you see that person? You got that weird whatever tingle in your heart you've got that goes, ha, ah, that person looks like they're having a rough day. I would not want to get involved in that. And God's like, I'm telling you, Go. Go talk to that person or go ask them about their day or go do something ridiculous, like small, like, hey, can I buy your what it just it's whatever God's telling you to do. I, I'm terrible at that. And I, I find myself in places where like afterwards I'm like, nah, nah, that wasn't Jesus. That wasn't God telling me to do that. I don't know. Oftentimes do you, it's it's something that you, like it's unusual, you know. Yes. Go give that guy a fish sandwich. You're like, <laughs> what? Like the how odd is that? Yes. You know? And yeah, so that's why you like talk yourself out of it. I, I probably made that up in my mind, you know. Uh, I don't know. Right. Yeah. yeah. The people that I've seen that I think I would call do this very well, and 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 I've just seen them like they. It's not even just the smells like Jesus thing. It's the fact that like they can tell me, yeah, I prayed for God to tell me what to do, and He absolutely did, and I did it, and it was such a cool experience. Or um, I met this person, and blah blah blah. Or like this is this weird random connection. Or I remember twenty years ago, I blah blah whatever. Right. Like, I hear their stories, and I go, well, that's not real. That's not a thing that's going on. Like, that's not how God talks to me or whatever. And it's like, maybe it is how he talks to me, and I'm just awful at listening do you and think, doing do, what he's telling me to do. Do you think that we find it, like, it borderlines on cheese, like, when you try to roll that up to God when he's asked you to do something, right? It's very easy to, like, give a man a sandwich yeah. or love people and, like, have them accept that you're just a very good person. 
Uh-huh. Right. Without like they do, they would have to see you for 10 years <laughs> to know that you love Jesus. Yeah, Otherwise, yeah. they just think you're a very nice man. Yeah. You know, and so like, but when it comes time to roll it up to God and say, I got to be honest with you, I had zero business giving you this sandwich. God told me to give you the sandwich. I don't know what's going on in your life. Right. Or what exactly he's trying to do with you or me today, but here's a sandwich. Right. Mm-hmm. Do we. That's s- the step we don't take. That, right. Yeah. Right. I Because th- here's Often, the thing, as yeah. I've watched so many people who I know love Jesus, I know that, right? And they, and they create programs or they create like this big outreach ministry and they're okay with all, it's going to sound bad because this is not their intention, but all the credit falls mm-hmm. on them or the church. Yeah. Right. And like, I, there's nothing that we, we're not trying to denigrate the church at all. But the right. truth of the matter is, is like, you sent out to love people. And yeah. if you never roll it up to say, I got to be honest, I have a hard time loving people, but Jesus doesn't. Yeah. I think that goes back to like, I, we're often praying, God, help, help people to know how much you love them by how much we love them. But like, if we stop at how much I love them, then really all I've done is is trying to make people love me. Right. As opposed yeah. to I look great. connecting to, to Jesus and recognizing how much God loves them by the picture of how much his people love them. And it both need to be true because like that is the means of which God is actually doing loving often. But like you're you're using your your actions to paint a picture so that people can recognize the God that is behind them. Um, you're right, and if it doesn't roll up to the if it doesn't ever roll up to God and doesn't express itself in that way, uh, you're actually uh, you're almost taking His name in vain. Like mm-hmm. for your own vanity, right. you are taking on the name Christian um, and taking on His identity, so that stuff points back to you and not to Him. Uh, and so, and so, I think we just have to be. There's a caution, certainly, in there that like it isn't just for. Hey, God gave me a way uh, to be liked. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. <laughs> so, so like at the end of the day, like, and and I think it's just it's us being real intentional about it, right? Like, if people are going to take a shallow view of it and go, "Hey, man, those people at at City Church." Um, they they just they they have a great pro- program for Alcoholics Anonymous. We yeah. just we just love going there, mm-hmm. right? Like. It should be a a nearsightedness on their end not to go, God is really trying to help in this situation, right? Like, it would be a nearsightedness on their part, but not through any lack of effort on ours to go, listen, right? We're calling you to a thing that God created you to be. Like, this is, we're having a program because God loves you. I got to be honest. People are hard to love. And, like, I wouldn't yes. be here if if God didn't love you so yep. very much. Right. <laughs> Right? Because, like, I can't take you. You're hard to take. <laughs> yeah. If people, actually, if you can live your life in such a way that people can't separate your goodness from their understanding of your relationship with Jesus, then you're probably doing good. Yeah. And, right. I mean, it doesn't have to be, you know, it doesn't have to be, like, convincing to the extent that you have to say, uh, I really hate all of this. The Lord made <laughs> me do it. Yeah, uh, I can't stand you. Jesus yeah. loves you, though. So, yeah, right. That, right. It doesn't have, it doesn't have to be that. It's so the problem is, is this, t- this ties into the part of the conversation that's going to get cut out of last week's show a little bit, right? Is like, if it's all you bring up, it can it can start to sound like a whitewashed tomb to somebody. Oh, totally. Because people can people can sniff fake. Yeah. Like, people can sniff when you're, when you're arbitrarily just throwing, like, um, like, here's the thing. Some people mean, mean it. Some people, it's out of habit. But you're like, like. You're saying God bless you all the time, right? Uh, like it feels like you're just going uh, uh, piety, piety. <laughs> 
I bless right. you. No, you don't. You didn't. You didn't really bless me. You just you're throwing words around, right? Um, and like so, so uh, agreed. And I think there is. I think that's the other thing. If the spirit can, if the spirit can find the things that are super hard to root out, the things that that just get in folks and take their lives over and find a path to freedom, I feel like it's got the ability to find a path out of your piety. And to make it feel like you don't you don't get the sense that you got to say something all the time that you get the right vibe for when is the right time as long as you're willing to do it as long as you have the aim for it because I think that's the other thing is like God tends to speak and to convert like let you listen into conversations He's already having but if you're not having that same conversation you just straight up ain't going to hear it if you're out there for your own glory. Uh, it's not like God's going to like barrage back into that and go, no, mine. He's not going to fight you for it. Mm-hmm. But if you're out there for his glory, you're tending, you're going to be receptive to that. And I think I, I just, I, if I trust everything else in the spirit's hands, I'm going to have to trust that we're going to get the right balance of this, uh, of this. Uh, do I bring it up too often thing? Yeah. So here's, here's some, here's some real world. Okay. So the three dudes in this room with me right now were actively involved in me knowing Jesus. Okay. I met Dan when I was what? 10. And and you pastored me as a child sure. into like my you know go uh, becoming an adult and then I started coming here and you know I met you two when I was fourteen fifteen maybe uh, and then we started going to church together. Um, I can tell you that most of the conversations and or actions or moments that started to shape me when I was at my lowest and like the most unlovable in my own eyes were not intentional like crazy Jesus conversations. It was changing my alternator at like 11 o'clock at night when it was negative 15 at the wind song. You know, it was it was the fact that you guys kept inviting me to show and wanted me to be here when I wouldn't show up to church for six months at a time because I was still in a place where I couldn't wake up in the morning because I hated myself and everything about myself and depression grabbed a hold of me and I could not get up before 11 a.m., right? Like, and it was ridiculous, but you guys still had me here. And it wasn't any conversation that I can call upon that words were said. It wasn't anything that I can look back at like that. But I can look back at the fact that you guys loved me when I felt my most unloved. And I felt like it was impossible for God to grab a hold of me. But it wasn't to y'all. You guys were able to take a look at it and go, he's got crap going on in his life. Yeah, he's a pain in the neck. Yeah, he's freaking full of himself for no reason. And all this different stuff. has He has no right to be respected or anything. And we could very easily just laugh at him and say, hey, man, it's not right. You just We, we got to cut ties. That didn't happen. I still was called back every single time that I asked to be back here. And I think that there's there's a big deal to say that because, like, it wasn't – it wasn't, like I said, it wasn't evangelism in my eyes. What it was is I saw Jesus through you guys, and I felt like he was holding on to me. In a lot of ways through you guys, rarely was it me being alone at two o'clock in the morning driving. Most of the time it was in this room. It was uh, it was over across the street. Like I felt like people cared when they shouldn't and they had no reason to. And I had to reckon with that to go, okay, if I'm unlovable, if I'm just a real pain in the neck in every situation and there's no reason for them to keep holding on to me, why are they? Why have they not given up? Why am I still invited? Why am I still not just invited? I'm welcomed. Like I came here and it's like, man, it's nice to see you, Booba. What have you been going on? Oh, I've been going to strip clubs a lot. I've been eating myself to death. 
and I'm trying. Good, good. Yeah, yeah. I want to kill myself every week. Like I shouldn't be alive anymore. And it'd be really nice if God Here's a would bottle just, of water. Right. It'd be really nice if God would just kill me so I didn't have to do it myself. And you were guys were like, "Wow, that's really rough." We're glad you're here. And it was like, "Are you?" Because it, you are. It's real, and that was real stuff. And that's the reason I'm a alive. One of the some of the biggest reasons. God's obviously the reason, but like. I'm alive and in this room today because of those moments, because of the fact that no matter how many times I called you and said, dude, my car's broke down again. No matter how many times I called you, I'm like, guys, I need help. Like I'm screwed over. I did it to myself or I'm squalling my life in sin and everything around me is ridiculous. But like, can I get a little bit of love in here? Can I get Can I hang out? And just feel present. And I've been even not on the show, just sitting in the back room crying because I'm just like, I'm not involved in the show, but I'm here around people that love me because God loves me. And I saw that. And there's so much power to that, man. Like, and it's that kind of stuff where we may not even realize what we're doing. We just show up because it's what we do. And we love somebody and we show up and we love in their life. And it may be something as simple as inviting somebody to a show that they have no reason to be on and nothing great to say. But they're still there. And mm-hmm. so I would never want to discount those kind of things, too, where it's not orchestrated. It's not rehearsed. It's not practice. It's just, God, I got a heart for this person because God does. And I need to love on them because Jesus tells me it's true. But it's real. It's not just a command in my heart. It's the fact that they got a piece of it. Mm-hmm. You know what's interesting about that example, though, too, is that, like, it was, if I think about the context of of what you were coming to, like, the words of Jesus were flying around. Oh, absolutely, yes. You know what I'm saying? Yes. And so, like, because I think I think that is maybe that feels like the um, there's no, here's here was the thing that was that was flying around in my mind, which is that like we, I think we got to be real cautious that we don't take segments of of things that God believes to be good news. And then bifurcate them and go, well, we communicate this part because I think they're going to agree this is good, the mm-hmm. love part. I think when we say yeah. hi and we take them somewhere and, they, they, and, and call them, I think they're going to agree on that. Jesus says this bucket of thing is good news, but I'm not sure how it's going to come. I'm not sure how they're <laughs> yeah, going to take it. Right. And so like, I think there is there is a risk to me, what it feels like to me. Um, and I always felt this way too. Just again, how this is where our, our previous evangelism conversation went. Is that like, um, we, I think we often try too hard. Like we gotta, we gotta figure out. Like we're trying to crack a code. Mm-hmm. And I think that's actually true with the entirety of, of God's good news as well. Like I, I, we were talking earlier about, you know, like we're free, oh, we feel like we got to expose their five sins. And this goes to a, a conversation we were having just before the show. But like people know what they know that, yeah, because right. because they feel it physically. Yeah. Like I mean, no nobody goes around freelance sinning against the Lord and doesn't feel it physically. Right. They might medicate it away. They might try to convince people that's not the case. They might decide that it's a gluten problem. But they I'm gonna tell you this: they can feel it. And so, like the presence, the, the, this this thing that you're gonna say is not going to surprise them. What will surprise them is you didn't beat them up with it. It will surprise them when you go, "Hey, man, I know you're carrying around stuff uh, that you need freedom from." That will surprise them. Surprise them to go like, oh, yes, I know about that thing. And yes, I'm still here. And no, I don't intend to go anywhere. And there's nothing about that being true in your life that's going to cause me to go fleeing the exits. Right. 
And so like it's 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 that's surprising. Mike, I think you're seeing that in the relationships in some of your youth group stuff. It's like that's the thing that's surprising. It's not that they don't know where you're coming from, it's that you're still there. <laughs> yeah. the, the thing the thing that, that kids are dealing with, all kind there's all kinds of things that fit into this bucket, but like their parents are wigging out and their youth pastors are wigging out and the pastors are wigging out and we're throwing salt and stuff on their car hoping that they turn from the demons or whatever. And it's like no, nothing you're going to say will surprise or scare me. It, I might weep about it. Uh, and but like I might look visibly shocked. That's right. It's like, oh no kidding. I didn't even know that happened. Um, <laughs> that's possible. But like, but it's not something because God was not shocked. This one picture of Jesus on the cross is not one of like, oh my, I can't believe that put me here. Like he's right. a, he's aware. And there's a good there's good news, and the freedom is freedom, regardless of what junk you bought to the freedom shop. That's the only thing that he deals back out with. And so like it's it's that. But and, and the, but like it sits in a context. And I think everybody also knows that. And so now that I'm remembering what our conversation was when it was back to when we were talking about evangelism before, it was basically what do you the risk is not so much that like that, that going about your regular everyday life uh, we think is still powerful. It, the problem is, is that we actually pull things back. You don't actually live your everyday life with people. I, I the, would I say the same thing to somebody at work who I would that I would say to this group of people if they presented me with the exact same situation, or would I go, you know, this uh, situation is a bit tender, and maybe I should be cautious and say something slightly different, or I don't know this person very well, and like how you say it or what they understand or whatever, I mean, can play a part into it, but like. It's really the holding back, and it's like when is the right time? It's it's always the struggle I've had with like, um, uh, I, I, sorry, this it's a shallow way to do it because like I think there's there's nothing wrong in general with seeker sensitive. Like if people are looking for Jesus, you, they should be able to find him in such a way that doesn't feel like they're sitting on the outside. That's right and good. But if something that you're doing says this is tailored to someone who has no idea, like when do you spring repentance on them? Like you did, right? Like that—that's the part that I can't deal with. Like I don't—you always got to do the whole thing all the time. And like I get, it's not the whole story, but like it's just that, like it just feels so shallow. Like God's waiting for you to get to a to level up to to level four, and then He goes, "You've reached repentance level. Now the secrets come." And like. Well, you wouldn't do that anywhere else. And so right. if someone's struggling with, I, I mean, maybe you just met the person to go, look, have you considered that you might be doing something that's causing your own self-pain? Right, yeah. <laughs> and would be willing to turn from it and and follow what God says is good. And that's the most loving thing you can do. Because it's all good news. Yes. Yeah, that's the point. And like, I again, I trust the Holy Spirit to be discerning. I'm saying you can relieve yourself of that particular problem, though. You don't have to be the one who goes, you know, based upon the height and weight of this person and where they're from and who I know that the daddy is and that they played softball three years in a row, a catcher, I might add. Here's what I'm going to say to him because I think this is going to work. That I want you to relieve yourself of. Just say the whole gospel's on the menu. Yeah. Love people because that's what God is doing through you, and then be be open to however the Spirit wants to move. But I just don't take anything off. I think that's probably the, yeah. the thing. You're not the marketing team that has to soften the blow in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, gee, I, you know, it's interesting because like uh, Christians weren't great marketers, never have been particularly. <laughs> like they weren't. They were. They were people who like tried to tell the gospel story in a form of a game in the dirt. Or like, who are you? We followed the dead guy. Well, he's not dead anymore. 
You want to hear the story? <laughs> like, like this is it. That, that Jesus was always the thing that the church had to offer. And when we got off the track is when we started trying to offer all kinds of other things. It's like the anti-Pharisee. It's like the way of which you go, well, I just don't want to overload him with the dead Jesus thing and uh, resurrection and all this business. And so, like, what if I start here? And I kind of work there. With, and Paul, Paul's spiritual milk isn't all, isn't what we're doing. It's not like human stuff and like, oh, well, make you feel hugged and then make you feel comfortable and then help you have a pretty decent marriage and maybe your kids are doing all right and maybe you can manage your finances. And then, oh, yeah, Jesus cares about all those things. And that's why we're even talking about Yeah, right. About so it, it's, it's like never missing an opportunity to explain – God's love to people, the, not your love. The hope you have, right? Because right? like <laughs> I can, and like I, I have, like I, I just had this conversation uh, with the youth a couple weeks ago. I'm like, like honestly, my love can't save you. Like right. it can't do. I mean, it maybe even feels nice, but like it can't actually do anything for you, you know. And like all of this comes from 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 God's love and God's heart, and like, and 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 sometimes we just. We we think that our love is more palatable to people than God's love is. Yes, yes, that's right. That we think the thing that we have to offer and our version of back to dance, like our version of what we say love is, we're like, well, I think they can accept this. This the thing I'm asking is a step too much, and so I got to start them off with mine. And like, it's such a foolish endeavor because the thing that you were going to say or the thing that I'm asking is actually where the freedom is, right? Like you're yeah. just you're just loved broken. Until your love put back together, mm-hmm. you know, and so like, I, I maybe that's that's my one thing to look out for is like just make sure that you're like I'm not saying you don't love people where they're at broken. I think that's totally what Jesus does, but like he's got zero intention to leave them there. Right. Like he he ran into the rich young ruler and he's like, nope, you can't stay there. You you need you need to come out of that broken, and the ruler wouldn't have nothing to do with it. He had the same conversation with the woman at the well. You can't stay here, and she said, "You're right, I can't stay here, right?" And so, like he like continually invited people out of the broken, like right. all while I mean, he, of course, he he just nails this perfectly because he's Jesus, right? But like, like I I think we struggle in like the timing of offering the broken. We should always offer a way out of the broken. That's actually the only offer we have. We don't have an entire toolkit of specialty tools to like fix these complicated problems. We just have one big tool that says, come out of the broken. And like, that is it. That is our only thing. And then like where God wants to start surgically removing sin and God wants to start exercising entire limbs because they're causing trouble or casting them into hellfire, this is what he's going to do. And like, you can help them to see that well and see it through correct perspective, through God's word and through prayer and the Holy Spirit. And like, this is your, that's what discipleship is, right? Like, here's how to view these things correctly. Here's how to understand what God's heart is. So you know how to, how to follow him better and and so you're not ending up in the broken all the time. You're always going to be a little broken, and he's always going to be a lot fixing. But like the the question is, is like, are we continually offering out of the broken, or are we saying, look, we're going to love you right where you're at, and not ever offer you the option to get out? <laughs> yeah, we're going to love this meth user and just let him stay where they're at and keep using meth. Right, and like I'm not meet say- him where they're at and then leave them there. And I'm not saying there's not a time frame for that like a holy spirit inspired time frame like you don't just walk up to him with a needle already in the arm and go you need to repent of this jazz you're ruining yourself you're ruining the people around you and like but maybe it is the time like god knows that answer right like sometimes it's a it's a heavy 
uh, iron sharpening a big old blob of nothing. Like sometimes God says, look, it, they're only going to hear it when you bring it right now and the whole thing and be explicit, nail it, right? And like I've totally had those conversations with people. It's very awkward, right? But then on the other hand, like sometimes they just need to know that someone cares enough about them right. to get them out of there and let them figure out why. Like, it, it just seems like there's not a one-size-fits-all answer mm. here. Yeah, because I think one of the things that we run the risk of is is believing that the gap in most people's situation is either understanding or logical thinking. Yeah. And it's not. It's not knowledge. It's not particularly information. You can't hear, even correctly, the understanding of a good, good father uh, if, if coming from a household of which you don't even recognize that can be possibly true. The notion of of blessing, of rescue, of comfort, of peace that passes all understanding. You say these words and it feels like fairy tales to people. And so sometimes like God has to work through people so that when he wants to say a true thing, they even recognize what's yeah. true about it. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you can't. And so like I, or even I, we even run this problem calling to repentance or like, hey, man, that's sin. If it doesn't feel like it, if everyone else around them doesn't see it that way, if the culture surrounds them doesn't say it that way, then you're like, these are just words that you're saying. I don't have no idea. What does it mean that there's a break from what? What do I even care? Now, I, like I said, I, I tell you to feel it. I, I'm, I'm just not I've never ran into a situation where someone doesn't feel the break about it. Um, but they may not correlate the two. They may have be having a rough time going on in their mind, and they wouldn't say, you'd go, hey, man, is it possibly here where you're running from Jesus? And they go, I, one, I didn't even know I was running from Jesus. I just thought it's tough to be me. <laughs> like, so like, so, so, you're, so what you're doing, what we get to be part of, is helping to remake the world in front of them so that they can recognize when they're in the pit. Um, and, and so so that the truth of God's rescue can actually hit with them. And so, you know. Yeah. And so that's why it's all right. Like we, we don't need um, it's it's don't. So, so I think the, the the advice here then isn't isn't don't pull back. You want to bless people at the gas station I mean, go to town. <laughs> but 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 that's actually what we're asking. So don't pull back. Like don't don't withhold. Don't feel like you got a gamesmanship the thing. Um, just be on it. You're open to it at any given time to whatever depth God has. And but but if you need a bellwether. If you handed out water bottles your whole life and and never told someone that turning back to Jesus from their current state of affairs was where true freedom is found, uh, then there's probably there's probably have a limitation in you that you didn't even recognize and that you need to be cautious of, and ask God to help with. Actually, so so uh, Boo and I were having a recent conversation. I was talking thinking about working from so I work from home, uh, and my job is real loose. I can do whatever I want most of the time. And so like one of the risks is is like uh how do I know whether I'm actually providing my company my val- like value? They're paying me and like I may not work 40 hours, I may work 60. I, but like that was just me sitting in the computer. How do I know whether someone's getting my best, getting my all? And I thought, well, I mean, I'm every multiple days a week I'm taking a kid somewhere in the middle of the day. I'm often, you know, t- doing stuff on my phone for work and I thought I've got to level this out. I have to have an internal sense of, am I being lazy? Am I doing the thing that I'm supposed to be doing? Because if my belt, my internal dinger is off, I might work 25 hours a week and not feel anything about it. And so like, I've got some, I've got set aside time to say, look for these next three days. Like I'm no phone. My phone can't be anywhere in the room and, uh, no, no random Facebook, no, you know, I don't know, whatever the things are that I think may distract me, no, no, I can't take the kids anywhere over the next three days. So that I know I've got a good sense of here's what three days worth of like full-on work looks like. That way when I'm not doing it, I can feel it. <laughs> I know it. And so 
I, that's the thing you can be praying about too. It, it may not even be intentional. You're like, boy, I've just been blessing people all over the place. And then you're like, God, it, is this it? Am I, am I actually nailing it? And like, just, just see what it takes to, to start feeling like, oh, I missed an opportunity. And because it's oftentimes we get just we get used up to, to the smell of our own shirts, and then it's you don't notice that you're kind of wandering off course. And so, um, I guess, spiritually, I guess you're just praying on it, and maybe being very, very, very intentional about conversations. Go, I, in fact, I've seen people with some discipleship studies. I'm not sure about this because, like, I think it kind of squashes. It, it says that you're forced something that maybe the spirit is should guide. I don't know, but like, hey. This week, you got to talk to somebody. You got to say something to someone about Jesus, like about repentance or something. And I'm like, it seems forced, but like, yeah. if you don't do, if you don't ever get in the habit or, or see what it feels like to do it, how do you know that you're just not missing it because your normal was different than that? I, th- I think uh, the, the biggest struggle maybe is to be continually in tune with the Holy Spirit and how He's leading as opposed to. Uh, deciding what our task is. My task is doing a water bottle. My task mm. is telling them to repent. And today I'm, you, you know, it, taking the cues from the Holy Spirit right. of, of what's going on. Yeah. I, I just went to a conference uh, a few weeks ago, and it, it's a missionary conv- uh, conference, and, and there's people from all over the globe that are high heavy hitters, right? I mean, mm-hmm. that's their whole life is evangelism, right? And, and they're there, and, and leaders in churches, and, and they're, you know, people passionate about this. And um, I was talking to a buddy who overheard a conversation, like in the food court or something in a restaurant. Uh, uh, the workers were talking amongst themselves because it's, it was downtown in in a, in a city that has has a lot of closed stores because mm-hmm. of the last couple of years. And um, the, the guys were like, well, "Oh man, this is great! We have all these thousands of people here, and and we're gonna have tips." And the other guy said, "Oh no, all they, all they want to do is talk about Jesus. They're not tipping." <laughs> and and the guy was kind of like, "Come on, we can do better than that," you know. And I thought, "Oh crap," you know, you know, like, yeah, the, yeah. you know, I mean, we've had that reputation in restaurants and stuff on Sundays and yeah. stuff. And I think there's got to be there's got to be a both. There's got to be a balance. Oh yeah, you know? totally. You can't just say, Leave "Here's a hundred dollar tip. Bill. I've done mm-hmm. my job." There's got to be like, "Hey, I care for you as a human being. This is how you make your living. Yeah. Let me help you." But also, hey, I, you, I want you to know Jesus loves you. You, you know, you've got to have a little both in there. Yeah, and it's not an either or. Uh, and then, it, then you don't want it to be robotic. You know, there's very few people right. that can make it mm-hmm. just so genuine, and can you know they really care? And I know a handful, but most of us, I'm, I'm, I'm that guy. I'm, I'm the awkward guy. I, I, don't, I don't know. You know, I'm, I, I'm happy. Give him a water bottle. I'm, I'm, on my way. You mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. it's, it's got to be better. And, and I think, I think it boils down to that sensitivity to the Holy Spirit and yeah. His leading. That means we've got to be in prayer. Yes, we've got to right. be cultivating, right. you know, that relationship with God. Right. There's also a certain level to like <laughs> the awkwardness thing should never be like a it should never be a hurdle for you yeah because like it's not you Sorry, like yes I you need it. to be there and yeah. I'm not I'm not advocating that you're not involved in any way shape or sure form, but like there there's no situation that like there's anyone that God can't use yeah like every single person God can use in ways like the Mike and I are used very differently within the kingdom. Like mm-hmm. I, we will never be on the same part. Po- like I will never be the dude that shows up and fixes an alternator. I just won't be. That's not my, that's, I can't. And, and God's never called me to do that, but I, I'm called to do other things. Like we have different, like there's no situation in which you should just be like, I'm not going to do this because I'm not capable. Cause God never has that as your story. Like if you've intentionally asked him and you've got kingdom living in your heart and you're trying to do it. And that's like the thing that you're pouring out and you're intentional and genuine in these things, 
everyone can offer somebody something. God can work through every single person. There's no one that is completely outside of his power to make moves in the kingdom with. You have to keep that in mind. You're not impossible to be used. Yep. Mm-hmm. Hey, you're listening to Live from the Path. Thanks for hanging out with us so far this evening. Um, maybe you got thoughts on that last conversation. You think we've got it wrong? You think we have it fantastic? You think you have a used dryer that you'd like to give to Troy? You can sure do that. Give that 515-517-0085. Uh, it's 515-517-0085. What's that? Hey, man, I'll take a car. No, no, dryer. I know you said dryer. I'm just correcting that. Like car. You Are you sure you should say, Ben, did the spirit tell you? Because otherwise you just corrected the spirit. Shoot. Did the spirit tell you it was a dryer? No, I just came All up right, with that cool. person. Car. Okay. No, anyway. Don't give me a car. Just in case anyone's out there like weirdly like, oh, I'm going to do that. No, do not do that. That's weird. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fantastic. It's just you, checking that. Yeah. So anyway, uh, let us know any uh, thoughts on that conversation. We'd be totally interested in it. Uh, Mike, that one went long. So I think we can do some advice and then call this night. Okay. Here we go. Dear, live from the path. I have been in love with a man for 34 years. Mm-hmm. Good. I was married to him once. Oh, no. Then divorced him because of drugs. I, I don't She didn't say whether he's on drugs or she or she's like, I'm out of here. <laughs> I, I've been remarried for eight years now to a wonderful man who's good to me, but aloof to my needs or desires. I'm not in love with him. When we talked early in the marriage about my needs, he got sullen and said he would try. That lasted a very short time. He is focused only on his wants and needs. Boy, you're not real good at picking out dudes. <laughs> Uh, three years ago, my ex lost his mother. I contacted his brother to offer sympathy, and then my ex contacted me. We have talked and cried together. He has apologized and asked for forgiveness. He then told me he has never stopped loving me. We have met a couple of times since, and I'm having a hard time deciding what to do. My home is more like a small office than a home. We have a business, a ministry, and I have a full-time job. I can't just pack up and leave, but in my heart, I want to go back to my ex. I took a turn, did I? Ministry? Yeah. He has been clean for three years, free from the drug-related health problems, and is not going to return to that life. What do I do? What do you mean, what do you do? You're married. <laughs> Honor your vow? Yeah. Yeah, you're married. Yeah. Uh, now, hold, hold on a minute. Do you honor your first one? I think you separated that already. And went on and married someone else. I used to do meth. Might as well keep doing it. Mm. Well, it's not the same thing. It's a problem that existed in your life. I'm just, I just, so the question, the, the, maybe this is a, this is a tangential question, but like, uh, if you shouldn't have divorced to begin with, mm-hmm. um, it's possible that your second marriage is actually the sham. Yeah. But, but it's still there. <laughs> it's, it's still happening. <laughs> Either way. I mean, apparently it is a sham. Probably happened too quickly. Yeah. Probably yeah. a rebound situation. Yeah. My, but, but like, uh, I mean, couldn't you just call your second marriage adultery and go back to your first one? I feel like, <laughs> like I'm just jacking with Booba. He's having a hard time. No, with but it. here's the deal. <laughs> Dang it, you are jacking with me because here's the deal. Like, I don't know I, the way that we handle the divorce nowadays. It's 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 a governmental institution is what it is. It's like it's a piece of paper with the government that says we pay taxes together. I don't know how to take that though because like like godly marriage is not defined in a piece of paper that the state recognizes. It's just not. Uh, neither is it defined by the qualifications of which she is trying to define a marriage. Right. But like from the argument of, of she's married with the first guy, <laughs> and that was the original marriage, and then is adulterous in this new marriage, eh? <laughs> kind of possible? <laughs> ben, you're blowing up, Booba. Booba's <laughs> <laughs> brain's broke. No, no. Listen, listen. The, you're. I, I. I'm. First of all, there's. There's a couple red flags here. 
And I just want to make sure we stay on track. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you don't wait until the first year of marriage to discuss your needs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, by the way. These are things we hash out prior to marrying people. And you don't reach out to your ex, even through family, to offer sympathy about a mother passing away. That so bad. Uh, yeah, you could probably do no, Okay. Yeah. No. Yeah. You're cold-hearted. Yeah, now. that's terrible. Yeah, I can't believe you. It's it's foolish to think that you're the one that needs to reach out with that sympathy. I think you're one of many. Also, in an unhappy marriage, and also seeing the ex that you are still in love with mm. is better off Yeah, now. but that wasn't... I was... Tr- by their story, was not the goal... Or they would have gone, hey, let's have coffee so we can talk about how bad your situation. It was like, let me tell your brother. Tell your brother. I'm sorry. This is the same song and dance that goes through everybody that decides to cheat on their spouse. Yes. This relationship is going great. We cried together. We talked for a very long time. We're sharing no mutual responsibility. We're not going through life at all together. And so you're looking at this doofus that you married, which frankly, I mean. Which you're sharing a ministry with. Yeah, what you're sharing a ministry with. Here's the thing: is like you didn't mention that he changed completely after you got married. So that means you married a dude that is aloof to all of your needs, and then you're like, I can't believe he's aloof to all of my needs. I'm not saying that this man doesn't have some things he needs to change. He's welcome at life from the path. We'll straighten him out over a couple of weeks. Yeah, but like Decades. at the end of the day, ladies, uh, you chose this man. You married this man, and like you're looking at your ex who's off drugs now for three years, and I'm happy he is. But like for for him to take this weight that he created, he's a gypsy wagon. He brought the problem and the solution in the same wagon, right? He's like, I'm the problem with the drugs, and then now that I'm off drugs and I'm doing much better, I'm now the solution to your problems, right? And like I'm not saying that he didn't turn his life around, but to say now the like to bring this sack of potatoes into your new marriage right. this is not the characteristics of a good god honoring man no this is a man that needs that needs to stay in his lane and loves you enough to let your marriage flourish mm-hmm. not for him to sneak back in the side door it's very selfish it, it, it is kind of and you're like but it's true love I, it, you you're getting in the way of true love feelings once again you're creating a situation that doesn't currently exist right you have zero idea that once you sack your husband and then marry your old ex-husband, and now you start sharing responsibilities again and day-to-day chores and questions that come up through the through the, the day-to-day of living in a marriage of responsibilities and disappointments and two people that are not the exact same person that create conflict, right? You're, you're putting all those back to the side and act like you have no idea that they exist. And so right now that relationship looks on fire and awesome because you're sharing a common grief point and he's turned his life around in the area of drug use. That is all. Right? And then you're like, I should rekindle this thing. Like, he you lost love his him. Mom. You love him because you're not expecting anything out of him. He totally let you down, and now he's going to offer a little more than that. Still not more than you deserve. Right? Still not what you deserve in a husband. Now, the guy that you're married to sounds like a real doofus. I think he needs some good Christian dudes to be. I'm going I'm to try. I'm aloof to your needs. It's the best <laughs> I can do. That's terrible, especially you, if you're running a I wish you'd tell us what those needs were. Yeah, what does were, it mean? Like, what, it, she went more talking, more shopping, more pudding. <laughs> I don't know. What else, Dan? What else makes up a marriage besides well, talking? I'm thinking of what the, what the what woman says. I'm really wanting shop. more of this. You, know, <laughs> you think this is a sex problem? I don't know. It sounds like a sex problem to me. It sounds like a sex problem because they're like she's so. weirdly just using the word needs. Yeah. I explained my That's needs what he wants. one year in. Oh, she was married to a Casanova. A, a drug-laced Casanova. Yeah. Yeah, and I wonder yeah. if he was on drugs like... 
the whole time or just after they got married, he started doing heroin? I don't know. That doesn't change the the situation for me. I'm just interested to hear if she married a drug addict that never changed, and he went, or she went. I can't believe I you've think, never changed. I think that or if him he became he was a, a heroin lover, addict. but he really wasn't. Oh well, but if she thinks he was, that's why this. Uh, There's also ministry yeah, partner. Also, how just, many years later? I'm a very different person than I was ten years ago. Yeah. I wanted very different things than I wanted ten years ago. Like. Yeah. It's it's it. We keep we always run into the situation where it's the same thing of like it's the dude a couple weeks ago that said before I got married I got everything I ever wanted yeah. I could have any lady in the world yeah. when I was twenty oh, the, oh, the now that Joel. I'm forty two yeah. and Play I'm piano. fat and gross yeah. Yeah. and and she just doesn't even realize what I could have out there it's the, you're ridiculous right and you have stop so, looking for greener pastures that's the thing it's like and dudes get this way and like apparently uh, everybody is equally susceptible to this line. Of thinking because this is the type of advice that people don't want to hear, right? They're like, you should follow your heart and go back with this yeah, dude. Go but back like, with Casanova. Your heart's lying to you. Yeah, your heart sucks. It's like it's not telling you the truth. Now, no one's putting your current husband up on a pedestal. He sounds like a real doofus to me. But on the other hand, you're you're comparing it to a relationship that has no trials, that has no responsibility, and is going off of like freedoms that you had younger in life when you were younger and when he was younger. Right, that don't exist for you right now. Right? right, you're you're making up a scenario in your head, and you're you're going to be met with disappointment uh, when 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 yes. you cash out of your second marriage only to remarry your first one. And let's say that he stays off drugs. I, I hope that he does. Right, everybody wants that for this man. But once again, you're not the same people you were when you were originally married, and you broke that marriage off for a reason. Right, and now all of a sudden you're willing to forget all those things and walk right back into a big pile of crap, which. Mind you, this is exactly how your sin plays out in your world, right? You go through a horrible thing, and like you're, there are waves of guilt and destruction, and then God will rescue us out of it, and then not six months later, you start looking back on it fondly, like it wasn't that big of a deal. <laughs> and yes. actually, it, it, it was okay, actually, now that you remember it, and the consequences weren't all that bad, right? This is this is how she's looking at her first marriage, and like I, once again, I, this is not a counseling session, but like I would advise against this holy and in every aspect. I think it's a terrible idea. Wait, so just to clarify, though, were you against her providing condolences? I was not. Okay. So you can provide condolences. You just, like, uh, absolutely no other contact. Hey, hey, I'd like to meet. No. I mean, to Buva's point, obviously she can't even pull off giving honest condolences, right? I'm worried yeah. that the condolences had, had ulterior motives. I'm worried that she's very unhappy in this marriage. Mm -hmm. This man is now off of drugs, which she seems to think was the only problem. And then she looks back at this and goes, maybe not the initial intention is like, oh, I could definitely set up more conversation if I did condolences. To the brother. I, to the brother that could very easily morph into something. Because it's not like the brother isn't going to tell her. Uh, his brother, like my ex reaches out to my or my brother's ex reaches out to me after my parents passed away. I'm be like, hey, man, you know, random person called me last week. It was crazy. And then that guy goes, oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I just call for what it is. It's a fine to offer condolences. Don't yeah. have ulterior yeah. motives. Now, just, I mean, once again, does this sounds like every drug addict I ever known, though. Yes. Right. Like they show up with some kind of impossible situation yep. where you cannot be upset at them for their drug use or terrible life choices. And they, they're like, but they call and they say this thing and you're like, oh, well, and I don't think all things addict, aside, I'm going to have to get involved in this. I don't think the drug <laughs> addict reached out to her and said, my mom's dead. 
Like I think they that she found out. She no, did. she heard. She calls the right, brother. Yes. Yeah. The brother tells the the ex husband. The ex husband re- then reaches out, and yeah. that's where she should have said no, thank you. Yeah, she's guilty of the second look. Right? Yes, like the dude who sees the very attractive woman and says, "Well, you couldn't help it. You saw her." And says, "Oh, I'm married. I'm looking the other way." She said, "Hey, I'm looking again." Yeah, that person. We should be together. Yeah, and that's where she's gone with. Because because of a former relationship, yeah, I'm she just, went there quicker. I'm just thinking to myself, like I can't, I can't imagine a situation in which I, even if I'm sincerely just trying to say, you know, that stinks, that I should reach out to any relate or any person in my ex relationships' lives. Like I don't need to offer those condolences. They're getting plenty of condolences. They're not thinking about me. I'm not thinking about them. Was right. My sympathy isn't going to change anything. You're not the fix to every situation. No, you're not. It's arrogance. you can just go, man. That's a really tough time. And then walk on past it. That's interesting because that, that that would preclude you from all kinds of normal day-to-day things where someone goes, oh, man, I'm running a little bit of short on at the gas station because you've got two bucks and you go, I'm not the fix to everything. What's, <laughs> my, not, what's my arrogance that it has yeah, to be me? But, no, I think you're taking that too far, though, because I think it's totally different because of the fact that it's, it's, the, it's the ex-relationship. Like, obviously, I'm not, I'm not advocating for you don't fix things, therefore don't get involved. I'm saying... Your condolences to your ex's mother passing away when you're already in a marriage that you hate to be in and are no longer in love in, it's it's all the pieces being taken in that go, mm-hmm. you didn't need to reach out to the brother mm-hmm. knowing, knowing that was going to end up with the ex. I don't, I'm not, well, I mean, I, they would know it. I don't know that, that there was a presumption that they would call. Again, I, I don't think that seems offense to many. I mean, just say no to the coffee or whatever. That's fine. Hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, Secular says, uh, the question was, what do I do? Secular says, the relationship you have described with your self-centered husband seems more like a business partnership than anything else. From what you describe, he's either unwilling or unable to give you what you need. Unless you like living in an emotional desert, you will have to take charge of your life. Oh, boy. If you decide to divorce your husband, I urge you to take a long pause and not rush back to the altar. Get to know your ex again. Learn what pressures drove him to substance abuse. Although you care for him, the last thing you need to do is wind up back at square one. Yeah, you know what's interesting? It might have been her. Yes, I was thinking. <laughs> That's a valid point. He might he might hit the pipe or whatever she's around. Jeez. <laughs> Nancy's back in my life. So is Miff. Mm. That's terrible advice. That's awful. Holy yeah, that's cats. some of the worst I've emotion. heard from secular. Yeah. And the secular didn't even say you should go to counseling. No. Right. That's crazy. Or call the police. You should go to an ex-marriage counselor. <laughs> Secular is good at Is call there the divorce calen- uh, counselors? Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Like, I'm I'd sure. like to get back together with my previous divorce. Oh. Oh. Oh, I don't <laughs> look that. That's, That's specialization. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> it's a rough life. Uh, okay, ready? Yep. Last one. Yep. All right. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of marriage problems today. I think there's always marriage problems. Mm-hmm. Let's do a let's do a mother's or teen. Here we go. Dear Live from the Path. My daughter's about to turn 14 and wants to get a job. We just found out that in our state, 14 and 15 year olds could work if they get a permit. I'm very concerned. I tried negotiating with her by telling her that her dad and I will give her a job at home and pay her, but she insists on working to help with our family finances. I have congestive heart failure and adrenal insufficiency, which is why I can't work outside the home. Her dad, my husband, is the only source of income. While I admire her desire to help out financially, I'm very anxious about her being out in the workforce. I'm not paranoid. At various points during my youth, I was sexually abused and assaulted by several men. Realistically, it is dangerous, and I personally think she's way too young to work outside the home. Please tell me if I'm being overly protective or whether my concerns are legit. 
your concerns are legitimate. Yes. Yeah. Like yes, that happens. And based on her past, exactly, she, yeah, she's, she's dealt with it. that, right? Yeah, yeah. But like, do you bubble boy your kid then? Yeah. Like, is your kid always in the home then forever? I mean, yeah. I'm not, I'm not advocating like let them go crazy and just like you know rumspringa style, but like, I feel like, oh, I don't know. I, yeah, I, I get the thought. Yeah. So, so this is where this is. This becomes difficult because you're starting to to having to wade through. The, the 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 reality of the world isn't just that right like, oh is it do i feel am i right to feel anxious about it probably yeah, yeah. of course based yeah. upon your past but it doesn't mean it doesn't like someone else may not be anxious about it all because they had a different past it's not that they're wrong right no. it's that based upon your experience, this feels something that is very anxious to you and that's understandable if your kid acts like it's probably not big of a deal you might be overreacting to them in a way that doesn't feel like it's overreacting to you. And so you do have to be real cautious here because the thing is, is like, oh, if you go, oh, am I overreacting? And I go, no. Then she feels real justified about like locking down the kid and saying, right. no, you can't go out there. Sometimes, and this is, this is hard, it's hard to be able to look at the world and go, I'm taking this thing in heavy and I know why I'm taking it in heavy and I feel it heavy. Even still... I know that most people don't go through these types of experiences. There's thousands and thousands of teenagers within five mile radius who are having a job, had yeah, a job right. at 14, and these these situations are happening. I recognize that that's also true, and it's it's okay to say that you have trouble balancing those things. But like, you need to be cautious that you have at least have this conversation with the fact that you know you have. Bias seems wrong because it feels like it's something that you're choosing to have. Um, or that's wrong to have. It's an okay bias. It's earned. It's like your, your situation has gone to it. But you do have one. Yes. And so, the, the, unfortunately, I think the answer to the, to the question really is like it's both. Like you, you, you are. It's understandable why you feel that way. Um, but I, I understand where your kid's coming from here. Is that like it's a, that she wants to help. Um, I, I think you probably should say yes to this. Um, I mean, I think you, you may have to, but, but maybe start slow. Maybe start, I was thinking, go slow, have have an easing in yeah, for you for the first year. Yeah, you yeah. Know, and and it's fourteen okay. to fifteen year olds aren't going to go start a forty hour work week right. where they're like right. you know doing that. Mm-hmm. They're going to get a two to three hour shift at a grocery store. Yeah, and then they're surrounded by people, and because they're minors, guess what? They're going to have an eye on them at all times. Like they're going to know what's going on, all the kind of stuff. Not to say the danger isn't there. Mm-hmm. But it's a lot more controlled than you're thinking. Well, and here, here's what's interesting is that like the danger of that kind of, of the things that she's worried about don't go away at 16, 17, no, 19. No, absolutely 19. not. They probably get worse between absolutely. 19 to 23. Yes, 100%. Yeah. And so like, uh, you know, I, I, and I, I should, you probably don't want to hear that, but that is the reality and of it. And what a great way to prepare them for that kind of thing to happen is to have the kind of experiences that build the right confidence and the right skills and the yep. right awareness of things like your 14 year old has a job they have to keep an eye out for that kind of stuff if you've talked to them about your previous trauma then they know about those kind of things existing in the world and then when they turn 18 they're not just thrown out to a job that goes oh my gosh this is possible this is terrifying they're aware of that over years of building up that socialization and ability to build up those kind of skills that they need and i would say like it sounds like if i'm going to take you at face value the type of 14 year old that would go I want to get a job mm-hmm. for my family's finances is the same 14-year-old that should be able to understand, say, look, I'm, 
I'm gonna, I want to let you do this. You know my background, yeah. and so can you slow walk it with me a little right. bit so that I can become more comfortable? I may want to talk to the manager there. Yeah. I know it could be embarrassing for you, but again, I'm trying to find a way to say yes, even though everything in me wants to say no. Can you work with me? I feel like your kid will get on yeah, board Yeah, communicate and compromise with this kind of stuff. Yeah. It doesn't need to be a yes or no, black and white, leave it alone. It could be a conversation that yep. turns into like things that are good for both of you. And here's the deal. The flip side of this is maybe there's a level of, this, of, of your child going out and being able to do this kind of thing that helps restore the 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 faith and things like that that you may have and restore some pain that you have because that's not the entire face of the world like that's not how every single situation plays out and then you can see that you may be still very fearful from the traumatic things that have happened but you can see that there is good out there and there is a world in which that doesn't happen yeah find find a way to to look at the problem and say what conditions would have to exist before I can at least say yes to this, right? Yeah. right? And if that means that you have to drive her, like, like not driving, yeah. and just say, look, you know, like, so now you don't have to worry about her stopping at a gas station by herself or right. whatever. Like, I will drop you off, and you will go into work, and then, and then you know, your dad will come pick you up, and, and, like, he'll get you on the way out, and, like, this is what I can offer, you know? And, like, if she's willing to say yes to that, which I think she probably will be, you know, like, and, and once again, like, there's... This is a great time to start educating, right. you know, her how to, you know, be aware of surroundings and parking right. lots and, and, and all the stuff that, like, uh, like I never think of, but my wife certainly does, you know, stuff that yeah. I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't take in the world as being a scary thing or whatever. And like, I, you know, stuff that I would never teach my kids because it just never occurred to me as a, as a, a dude, you know? And right. so like, this is, I, I think, you know, you know, for a fact that you can't take away, take away all the world's danger. Um, but you can educate as much as you can against it. And especially at her age, you can say, look, uh, you know, I want you to have all the freedoms that you're asking for. Um, but you know enough about me to know that um, I'm going to have to ask you to give a little. And, and the fact that she's, like Ben said, is willing to go to work to help with the family finances. I can't imagine she's going to throw your past experiences out the doors if they don't matter. Right. So, okay. Secular says... Your daughter is to be applauded for wanting to help with the family finances. To me, it shows her level of maturity. Because she's inexperienced in the ways of the world, you and her father should sit down with her for some frank discussions. Explain what sexual harassment is and make it clear that if she feels any pressure at all, she should tell you so you can help her safely deal with it. Unlike years ago, today there are laws that offer protection to female workers. She should understand what the term hostile work environment means as long as she knows she can come to you and her dad about anything that makes her uncomfortable. She should be safe. I think that's a that's a real misunderstanding. Of the world. Yeah, we're not talking about people being casually sexually harassed at work. I think we're talking about people that are actually abused and like it totally happened. So like flippant comments or unwanted you know, touches at work are something to be concerned about. And for sure, you should deal with it. But like, I think she's concerned for way more actual things happening. Yeah, and like people who are who are perpetrators of those kind of crimes aren't generally the ones who will sexually harass first. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, they're just not right. Or go, oh, well, there's laws on the book, so I think I'm going to avoid this baby. Yeah, that turns yeah. There's evil. Yeah, correct. All right. Hey, you're listening to Life from the Path. Thanks for hanging out with us. Uh, we really do appreciate it. If you got any feedback from the show, uh, give us a call or text on the Bob Eisenhower Life from the Path 
complaint line 515-517-0085. Again, that's call or text 515-517-0085. We would love to hear from you. And uh, I don't know, the, the rest of the year is looking, uh, looking bright. I think we might be kicking some more shows out for you. We will see you uh, hopefully next week. In the meantime, be faithful in the means. God will handle the ends. You've been listening to Live from the Past.